0: Chapter Nineteen Part Two of The Wonderful Adventures of Nils by Selma Lagerlof. Translated by Velma Swanston Howard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia. The Big Bird Lake, The Decoy Duck sunday april seventeenth a couple of days later jarro was so well that he could fly all about the house then he was petted a good deal by the mistress and the little boy ran out in the yard and plucked the first grass-blades for him which had sprung up when the mistress caressed him jarro thought that although he was now so strong that he could fly down to Tackern at any time he shouldn't care to be separated from the human beings he had no objection to remaining with them all his life but early one morning the mistress placed a halter or noose over jarro which prevented him from using his wings and then she turned him over to the farmhand who had found him in the yard the farmhand poked him under his arm and went down to Tackern with him. The ice had melted away while Jarro had been ill, the old dry-fall leaves still stood along the shores and islets, but all the water-growths had begun to take root down in the deep, and the green stems had already reached the surface. And now nearly all the migratory birds were at home. The curlews hooked bills peeped out from the reeds, the grebes glided about with new feather collars around the neck, and the jacksnipes were gathering straws for their nests. The farmhand got in a scow, laid Jaro in the bottom of the boat, and began to pull himself out on the lake. Jaro, who had now accustomed himself to expect only good of human beings, said to Caesar, who was also in the party, that he was very grateful toward the farm-hand for taking him out on the lake. But there was no need to keep him so closely guarded, for he did not intend to fly away. To this Caesar made no reply. He was very close-mouthed that morning. The only thing which struck Jaro as being a bit peculiar was that the farm-hand had taken his gun along he couldn't believe that any of the good folk in the cottage would want to shoot birds and besides caesar had told him that people didn't hunt at this time of year it is a prohibited time he had said although this doesn't concern me of course the farmhand went over to one of the little reed enclosed mud islets there he stepped from the boat gathered some old reeds into a pile and lay down behind it. Jarro was permitted to wander around on the ground with the halter over his wings, and tethered to the boat with a long string. Suddenly Jarro caught sight of some young ducks and drakes, in whose company he had formerly raced backward and forward over the lake. They were a long way off, but Jarro called them to him with a couple of loud shouts they responded and a large and beautiful flock approached. Before they got there, Jaro began to tell them about his marvelous rescue and of the kindness of human beings. Just then two shots sounded behind him. Three ducks sank down in the reeds, lifeless, and Caesar bounced out and captured them. Then Jaro understood the human beings had only saved him that they might use him as a decoy duck, and they had also succeeded. Three ducks had died on his account. He thought he should die of shame. He thought that even his friend Caesar looked contemptuously at him, and when they came home to the cottage he didn't dare lie down and sleep beside the dog. The next morning Jarro was again taken out on the shallows. This time, too, he saw some ducks but when he observed that they flew toward him he called to them away away be careful fly in another direction there's a hunter hidden behind the reed pile i'm only a decoy bird and he actually succeeded in preventing them from coming within shooting distance jarro had scarcely had time to taste of a grass blade so busy was he in keeping watch He called out his warning as soon as a bird drew nigh. He even warned the grebes, although he detested them because they crowded the ducks out of their best hiding places. But he did not wish that any bird should meet with misfortune on his account, and, thanks to Jaro's vigilance, the farmhand had to go home without firing off a single shot. Despite this fact, Caesar looked less displeased than on the previous day, and when evening came he took Jaro in his mouth, carried him over to the fireplace, and let him sleep between his forepaws. Nevertheless, Jaro was no longer contented in the cottage, but was grievously unhappy. His heart suffered at the thoughts that humans never had loved him. When the mistress or the little boy came forward to caress him, he stuck his bill under his wing, and pretended that he slept. For several days Jarro continued his distressful watch service, and already he was known all over Tackern. Then it happened one morning, when he called as usual, "'Have a care, birds. Don't come near me. I'm only a decoy duck,' that a grebe nest came floating toward the shallows where he was tied. This was nothing especially remarkable. It was a nest from the year before, and since grebe nests are built in such a way that they can move on water like boats, it often happens that they drift out toward the lake. Still, Jarro stood there and stared at the nest because it came so straight toward the islet that it looked as though someone had steered its course over the water. As the nest came nearer, Jaro saw that a little human being, the tiniest he had ever seen, sat in the nest and rowed it forward with a pair of sticks. And this little human called to him, Go as near the water as you can, Jaro, and be ready to fly. You shall soon be freed. A few seconds later the grebe nest lay near land, but the little oarsman did not leave it, but sat huddled up, between branches and straw. Jarro, too, held himself almost immovable. He was actually paralyzed with fear lest the rescuer should be discovered. The next thing which occurred was that a flock of wild geese came along. Then Jarro woke up to business and warned them with loud shrieks, but in spite of this they flew backward and forward over the shallows several times. They held themselves so high that they were beyond shooting distance, still the farmhand let himself be tempted to fire a couple of shots at them. These shots were hardly fired, before the little creature ran up on land, drew a tiny knife from its sheath, and with a couple of quick strokes cut loose Jarro's halter. Now fly away, Jarro, before the man has time to load again, cried he while he himself ran down to the grieve-nest and pulled away from the shore. The hunter had had his gaze fixed upon the geese, and hadn't observed that Jarro had been freed. But Caesar had followed more carefully that which happened, and just as Jarro raised his wings, he dashed forward and grabbed him by the neck. Jarro cried pitifully, and the boy who had freed him said quietly to Caesar, "'If you are just as honourable as you look, surely you cannot wish to force a good bird to sit here and entice others into trouble.' When Caesar heard these words, he grinned viciously with his upper lip, but the next second he dropped Jaro. "'Fly, Jaro," said he, "'you are certainly too good to be a decoy duck. It wasn't for this that I wanted to keep you here.' But because it will be lonely in the cottage without you. End of chapter nineteen, part two, recording by Gerald Moe, Tucker, Georgia.